Hi there. I'm Mark Swallow, and I'm glad you are joining me for today's God Is podcast. Let's get started learning who God is. Thank you for joining me today from wherever you are and by however you listen as we meet together coast to coast here in the United States and all the way around the world. Last time I asked this question, how would what is happening in your life find its place in God's grand design for all of life or for all of human history? Have you thought about that? And have you thought about that, especially in the context of what we are learning about this great Old Testament character named Joseph? I have defined the providence of God as follows. God preserves everyone and everything he has created, and God directs the actions of everyone and everything he has created, working all things together for his honor and his glory. We have found this second dynamic to the providence of God repeatedly in Joseph's life. And last time we watched as Joseph gave credit to God for the circumstances of his difficult and trying life after his brothers sold him into slavery. We learned that despite the evil and sin carried out against Joseph, God so acted, God so directed, restrained and limited, God so overruled that evil and sin, such that the Lord will preserve for himself a people, a remnant that will grow, that will multiply into becoming an entire nation. Joseph turned theologian and taught his brothers a lesson on the providence of God. He said, quote, You sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. I trust you hear the emphasis on God. What you did for evil, God did for good. And today let's pick up the text again at verse 8 of Genesis chapter 45. Joseph, upon revealing his true identity to his brothers, says, Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. I just have to interrupt here. You have been reading this and listening to this true story along with me. Isn't this really something? It was not you who sent me here, but God. Wait, Joe, it was them. Does he have amnesia? Is he a very forgetful young man? Just 22 years earlier, in Genesis 37, they had sold Joseph into slavery, and he ended up here in Egypt. They had done it. Ah, but Joseph says that God directs the actions of everyone and everything he has created, working all things together, including evil and sin, for the honor and glory of God. Whereas from the human perspective, man and woman's way of looking at events, the brothers sent Joseph to Egypt. From God's perspective, from the eternal perspective, from the perspective of providence, God did it. If we drop down to verse 9, Genesis 45, 9, again Joseph emphasizes, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. 
It is not really Pharaoh who has given me this authority, position, and power. God has. Let's apply this twice. First, think back to Adam and Eve in the Garden in Eden. They were living in perfection. They were caught up in holy intimacy with God. There was no evil and therefore no sin. But then one day a serpent saunters up to Eve and speaks the voice of Satan. And we want to know why has God allowed for this? I think our only answer is wrapped up here in God's providence. In his wisdom, Almighty God has decided that since he will direct, restrain, limit, and overrule evil and sin, he will allow for it. Remember, God never causes and approves of sin, but he does permit it. He permits it in the lives of Adam and Eve and Joseph and his brothers. And second, God permits evil and sin in our lives. We live in an evil world system where the God of this world is Satan. We are born sinners, each one of us, born sinners into an evil world. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We sin against others, and others sin against us. And we wonder, why would God allow for this? Why would God permit this? Well, what we can say with biblical certainty is that God uses his providence to somehow draw out of evil and sin, honor and glory for himself. We will never totally understand how this can be so. But if we take the Bible seriously, then we must believe it is so. Joseph is our first example, and soon we will have a second example. When I think shamefully about the wretchedness of my own sin and how I have sinned against others, I am stunned that God can miraculously direct my iniquity for his honor and glory. I am a sinner through and through. I am like Joseph's brothers. And God will hold me accountable for my sin. And when I think about how others have sinned against me, I'm surprised to think how God could possibly direct that sin for his honor and his glory. God will hold others accountable for their sin. But the Bible, God's revelation of himself to me, convinces me that God does direct and limit and restrain and overrule evil and sin. I submit to you the same is true in your life. Yes, you. But I encourage you to test what I am saying against the scriptures and see if I pass. Do not just take my word for it. Take up God's word, read it, and decide for yourself. As to the question, why does God allow for evil and sin? This is my answer. Furthermore, what happens in our lives does find its place in God's grand design for all of history. It is true that a book will most likely never be written about us, and there is only one Bible and we are not written about by name therein. But we exist so that God will be honored and glorified by our lives. I believe God is acting in our lives in a very intentional way and making it so that we fit as a piece to the master puzzle 
That is all that God has done, is doing, and will ever do. Well, let's finish our journey with Joseph. We do not have time to read and discuss Genesis chapters 45 through 50, so I will only summarize and then draw our attention to one more verse. As the story unfolds, Joseph does see his father again as Jacob and the entire large, expansive family, as well as possessions, make their way down into Egypt and settle in Goshen. They survive the famine, and it is there in Egypt that Jacob, otherwise known as Israel, dies, although he is taken back to Canaan and buried in Canaan. And at the very end of Genesis 50, the final chapter in Genesis, Joseph also dies in Egypt. God ends his remarkable life at the age of 110. But before that, in Genesis chapter 50, there is an episode in which Joseph's brothers begin to doubt if Joseph has really forgiven them. They thought that maybe he really did hold a grudge against them, and especially now that their dad was dead, maybe old Joe gets his revenge. But here is Joseph's response to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people. Now that is quite a verse. Memorize this one. It captures providence perfectly. You meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. This is one of my all-time favorite Bible verses, and one verse I will definitely use to demonstrate the doctrine, the teaching on the providence of God. This is that one verse when I'm having a quick conversation with someone and I need to briefly say what providence is, especially in the dilemma of evil and sin. God brought good out of evil. I say it again. God brought good out of evil. And certainly when we take together what Joseph says about God in Genesis 45 and here at Genesis 50, then we know his theology very well. To quote Old Testament scholar and commentator Merrill Unger, Joseph displayed his deep faith in the omniscience and omnipotence of God, overruling Satan, demonic powers, and wicked men to work out his sovereign will and unfrustratable plans. Faith lifted the whole sordid crime of the brothers out of the pit of misery and self-recrimination and placed it on the mountain peak of divine sovereignty, where God's forgiving grace not only wipes away the past, but also heals the wounds inflicted by sin of bygone days. Unquote. As usual, Unger nails it. Unger captures Joseph's theology, what he believes about God, so very well. I especially like how he writes about God's unfrustratable plans. It is so true. No one can frustrate God's plans. And how he writes about God's forgiving grace that wipes away the past and heals the wounds inflicted by sin of bygone days. 
This is what God does, and He is still doing it in our lives. I wonder if you might shout out wherever you are, Amen. Well, tomorrow we shall return to the providence of God. I hope you are benefiting from this, and we'll come on back as we continue to discover who God is. Thank you for listening to this God Is podcast. Drop me an email and tell me what you think. Mark at GodIsMinistry.org That's Mark at GodIsMinistry.org Please do share this with others and be sure and join me for the next one.